Well, hello, Pastor Matt here. Just want to take a moment to say thank you for tuning in to this message. We here at New Life Baptist Church hope that in making these resources available to the public, that we'll help to edify the body of Christ at large, and that you personally will increase in your knowledge of God, leading to a deeper love for Him. Now, what you're about to listen to is a teaching lesson from our Wednesday night study series entitled, What is God Like? A Study of the Attributes of the Almighty. So thank you once again for joining the Wednesday night live stream to most of you. Uh, We're going to be doing our uh, Attributes of God study. We're going to pick back up where we left off. It's been just a a bit of time since we've been in our Attributes of God uh, series. Believe it or not, we've, we've been doing this since I believe it's January. So we've, we've covered a lot of ground in this study. And believe me, um, and you know this for yourself, that we haven't even begun to scratch the surface of who God is and all that he is. Tonight, we're going to talk about the grace of God. And we have a, a bit of a bonus attribute, if you will, that we're going to consider tonight, and it's the mercy of God. And the reason why we're going to be doing that is because they're, they're so closely connected, they're so much alike, God's grace and his mercy, um, that we would have to be just very, very thorough uh, to be doing two separate studies. And so I think it would be fitting for our purposes That's not to say that God's grace and God's mercy aren't worthy of being considered separately and and spending much time considering both of those. But for our purposes, I think it'll be good for us to consider them together. Some people have said that if, if God's love was a coin, that God's grace and his mercy would be the two sides of that coin. I thought that was really profound. Um... For those of you who haven't caught up with all of the, the studies, we have a lot of material out there that you can go get caught up on. We have a YouTube channel that you can go watch them. We have a podcast that you can listen to them on. You can download them from our website, and you can download them from the app as well. So there is um, a, a plethora of, of options to get caught up, and I would encourage you to do that because... As we study God's attributes, we come to know him more. And as we come to know him more, we come to love him more. And we come to trust him more. And our worship of God is deeper and it's more profound and it's more meaningful because we know who this God is that we are singing to. So tonight, we're going to be studying the grace of God Um, And like I said, we're going to also look at the mercy of God. But our primary focus is going to be thinking about and studying the grace of God. Um, I do have a bit of of an opening text, and we're going to come back to this later on. But if you'll turn your Bibles to Psalm 145, it's Psalm, uh, the book of Psalms, chapter 145. And we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Just as a side note, there's a band that I really like called Shane, Shane and Shane, and they have a song that is based on this psalm. 
It's incredible. You should go check it out. Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. This is the word of God. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this evening, Lord, I pray that you help us to focus on you, Lord. I pray that you open up our hearts, God, that you prepare our hearts, that you open up our eyes and our ears to see and receive great and wonderful things from your word that we have not known before, Lord. I pray that your word would go forth and that the brilliance of, of the grace of God would shine like a diamond in the night sky this evening. I pray that we would come to know you in the, in the sweet grace that you offer freely to us, God. May every word that comes out of my mouth be truth, Lord, and anything that's not, anything that's of human invention, God, I pray that it be forgotten. And I pray for this in the name of Jesus, amen. So the grace of God, um, in an effort to not overcomplicate the definition of the grace of God, uh, we're just going to go with the, the most popular uh, definition of the grace of God. And that is that God's grace is God's unmerited favor. I think we're a little bit behind here. It is God's unmerited favor. We can understand this as God's undeserved goodness being bestowed upon sinners. It's God's undeserved goodness being bestowed upon sinners. John Piper defines grace this way. That grace is the pleasure of God to magnify the worth of God by giving sinners the right and power to delight in God without obscuring the glory of God. That's so good. It is grace is the pleasure of God to magnify the worth of God by giving sinners the right and the power to delight in God without obscuring the glory of God. Grace is referenced over 100 different times in the New Testament. Paul writes of grace the majority of the time in the New Testament. That's why he is often deemed the apostle of grace. Grace is very important for us to, to grasp and to understand because it is by grace that we are saved. So what does that mean? Tonight we're going to look at three different ways that God displays his grace. But before we do that, we need to come to an understanding that grace is free. When, what we need to first understand is that God's grace is free. And by definition, His grace is free. Because His grace is defined as the unmerited favor of God. It's unmerited. It's unearned. You didn't earn it. It's absolutely free. If you are owed grace, it is no longer grace that you are being given but rather it's a wage or a reward. 
You go to work, and you work X amount of hours, and whenever you get your paycheck, you don't say, oh, this is so gracious of my company. These are your wages. It's what you have earned. But grace is not this way at all. Grace is bestowed upon you freely. And not only do you not earn it, but you cannot earn God's grace. It is unmerited. Grace is not given in exchange for something else. It's not a deal that you make with God. Listen, God, I'll do this and that and the other if you just give me your grace. That's not grace anymore. Grace is freely bestowed upon sinners and the elect alike. You know this verse, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works so that no one may boast. People will often look at this verse and say, well, it's saying that I'm saved by grace through faith. So I'm, I'm earning God's grace with my faith. I give God my faith and then he gives me grace. But that's not what this verse is saying. It says, by faith, you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not your own doing. This is a gift from God. What Paul is saying is that even your faith is a gift from God. Even your faith, the grace that he gives you, and the faith that you exercise in Christ, these things are gifts from our Father. This is not your own doing. You see, no one is going to be in heaven saying, I got myself here. No one is going to stand before the throne of the Almighty and say, I earned this. I did this on my own. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I, and I went to work and I earned myself here. No one will say that in heaven. And that's what it says in verse 9 of, of Ephesians chapter 2. That it's not a result of works so that no one may boast. So you see, your, your faith, even you exercising your faith in God, that's not a work. That's not something that you are earning in God. Here God is, God is writing, the Holy Spirit is writing through the hand of the Apostle Paul that no one will boast. That means that you cannot sit back and say, well, it's because I have such incredible faith, you see. It, it's my awesome faith in God that has saved me. And you just need to believe the way that I have believed. You just need to have faith like me, and you will be saved too. That's not true. Your grace and your faith are both a gift from God. Why? So that no one may boast. So that God alone may be glorified. So that only God gets the credit for your salvation and my salvation. Romans 11 6 says, but if it is by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works. Otherwise, 
grace would no longer be grace. You see what Paul is saying there. He's clearly showing us that grace has nothing to do with your works. Because if it did, it would no longer be grace. So as we move forward, considering the the different manifestations, if you will, or the, the different displays of God's grace, we need to understand that grace in every form is undeserved. We do not deserve it. And the first way that we see this, the first display of of God's grace that we're going to look at is God's common grace. What is God's common grace? It is God's unmerited favor towards all of his creation without distinction. Now let me hit pause real quick. You see, I I mentioned the word grace is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. And not every time is he referring to saving grace. Because we all, we all understand that, that we're saved by grace through faith, as we just read in Ephesians 2. But every time that the, the apostles would, would go to write grace, they did not always mean that kind of grace. They didn't always mean saving grace, the kind of grace that you're given in salvation. Sometimes, grace is, as we see here, common grace. And this is where we will refer back to our opening passage in Psalm 145, verses 8 and 9. It says, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. What's interesting about this is that we see the psalmist in in verse 8 saying that the Lord is gracious and merciful. And then in verse 9, he rewords it. He says that the Lord is good to all. You see, God's common grace is an extension of the goodness of God. It is an extension of God's just general goodness. He's good to all, the psalmist writes. And his mercy is over all that he has made. Everyone, even animals. Gabby and I love to watch animal shows. And I don't care if that makes me weird. I love it. We watch a lot of animal shows. And... Um, we always are struck by just how God provides for these animals. That just they're just gonna like let's let's really think about this. They're really just going to live for a little bit and eat stuff and die. Like that is the life cycle of a wild animal. Is that it wakes up, it chases food all day, and then it goes to sleep, and then one day it just dies. Yet God has a beautiful plan and purpose even for those creatures. And he provides through his common grace even for the wild beast of the field. Isn't that incredible? Matthew 5, 45. It says, and you you know this passage, it's Jesus speaking. He says, he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good. 
and sends rain on the just and the unjust. And this might sound familiar to you because we talked about this in our study of the goodness of God. And again, God's grace is the extension of his goodness. But we see God displaying his common grace to even to sinners by him sending the rain on the just and the unjust. What does that mean? It means if you have two farmers and one of them is pagan and one's a believer, God sends rain on both crops, allows both crops to grow, allows both farmers to reap a harvest. Doesn't that ever strike you as bizarre that, that why does God provide for sinners? Why does God provide for people who are in active rebellion against him? What's well, the common grace of God? It's his goodness just overflowing onto all of his creation. Now it is not the same as saving grace but it is simply God allowing even sinners to experience his goodness. Common grace allows for the pagan and the believer to both stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and say, wow. Common grace allows for both the pagan and the believer to watch a very well-written movie and enjoy it and enjoy their time. Common grace puts food on the table for both the pagan and the believer. Common grace allows both the pagan and the believer to even receive healing. You, you've heard of people who are not believers, and they, even they will report of miraculous healings. Or even just they were healed through surgery, or, or they, they took medication, and, and whatever was ailing them worked its way out. Right now, we're in the middle of experiencing all of this coronavirus going around. And, and, and why does God not just use this to wipe out sinners? And I'm not asking that in a, in a way to suggest that I wish he would. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, you know, we look at the Word of God and how, how much God detests sin Yet he still allows sinners to live. Why is that? It's the common grace of God. He doesn't receive pleasure from destroying sinners. Instead, he's allowing everyone an opportunity. You see, common grace is not extended without reason. It's not as though God is just nice to them arbitrarily for no purpose. God is not wasteful. Everything that he does is for a purpose and a reason. And in Romans 2, 4, we find the reason. He says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? You see, Paul is writing here that the reason why God does this is to allow sinners an opportunity to see how good God is and come to repentance. We ought to stand in awe of how patient and long-suffering 
our, our Lord is to extend kindness after kindness to a world that is actively in rebellion against him. How amazing he is. But there is also special grace, sometimes referred to as saving grace, sometimes referred to as sovereign grace. There are many different terms, but it all is essentially meaning the same thing. Now, I'll put as a caveat here that we could, a study of God's grace can be a lot more specific than we are being tonight. We're kind of grouping everything in um, to bigger headings just to make it a little bit more, um, a little easier to digest. But special grace is God's unmerited favor towards his elect. You see, there is common grace that we all get to experience. But there is also a special grace that is also a saving grace that the elect of God gets to experience in salvation. By grace, you have been saved. That would be the special kind of grace, the saving kind of grace. It's different than common grace. 2 Timothy 1.9, Paul is writing of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Wow. Listen to that. God extended grace towards his bride in Christ Jesus before the ages began. Think about how long God has known you. Think about how long God has had your name written in the Lamb's book of life. Do you know how long it was? Before Genesis 1-1. Before, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Before then, in eternity past. And try to wrap your mind around that. God purposed to save you. God purposed to extend His saving, special grace to you in Christ Jesus, this is, that is utterly overwhelming. How is this even possible? Now you just think about how your whole life long, you look back now and you see, wow, God's grace was there every step of the way. Every, every time I turned my back on him, every time I broke a promise, every time I've backslidden, his grace has been there, and it does not depend on me. Why? Because he purposed to give it to me before he created anything. That is astounding. Who can fathom this level of love and grace? God's grace was bestowed upon his elect since before the ages began. Wow. Now here is where we will draw the distinction between mercy 
and grace. I said at the beginning that we would kind of talk about mercy and how they were essentially two sides of the same coin, but they are different. Now, we've already understood from previous studies that that mercy is God not giving a sinner what he rightfully deserves. I'll say that again. Mercy is God not giving a sinner what he rightfully deserves, namely, specifically speaking, wrath and judgment and the eternal lake of fire. If we were to get what we truly deserve, what we have earned, what we have earned is eternal punishment. What you and I have both earned is the judgment of God. Romans 6.23 Just so you don't think I made this up. Romans 6.23 For the wages of sin is death. You've heard that verse before, right? Did you know it applied to you? It applies to your sin and my sin as well. And anybody who has ever sinned, which is everybody outside of Jesus Christ, it applies to all of us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what our sin has earned us is death. It's interesting the words that Paul uses, that the wages of sin is death. What you earned is death. Think about that. Before Christ, what you were working your whole life towards was death. was eternal punishment. But God had mercy on you. Not just your physical life here on earth is what this passage is talking about, but more specifically, this death that that Paul writes of in Romans is the eternal wrath of God in in hell. That That is your death that you have earned from your sinfulness. But even in this, we see God displaying his mercy to the whole world even now. Why? Because you're still alive. I think about the riots and the protests and all the things that are happening just to deal with the disaster that's happening, not to at all try to attempt to get political in any way, shape, or form, but just to deal with the utter disaster and chaos in this world right now and imagine the mercy that God is displaying even now, even right now, As he sees the things that even you and I don't see, he's aware of all of the sin that is taking place across all of the planet right now. Yet he's extending his mercy right now in that he's not dishing out his judgment. Instead, what God is doing is being patient not wishing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's what it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, giving you an opportunity 
Every day you wake up outside of Christ is another opportunity that God has given you to turn to Him and repent of your sins and put all faith in Him. Now, for those of you who are listening right now and maybe you have never put your faith in Christ and you have not experienced saving grace for yourself Quite often what we do is we say, well, you know, I'm just too much of a sinner. I've done too much. There's no way God would save me or want to do anything with me. Or I would be a hypocrite if I started trying to be a Christian because of how great of a sinner I am. But I will assure you right now that no matter how great your sin, God's grace is greater. His mercy is is greater. His love, his ability to save is greater than the worst sinner imaginable. And he sent forth his son to exact, to to allow, to make a way for him to be able to display his grace and mercy towards us. Jesus Christ, being born fully God and fully man, lived the perfect life that that you and I were supposed to live, but we never could. We still can't. We never will. But Jesus did it. He was perfectly obedient to God the Father every day of his life, every minute of every second of every single day. He went to the cross And he bore all of your unrighteousness, all of your sin, all of my sin. He bore it in his body. And on that cross, he stood in our place. Why? So that God could show us mercy. Because on that cross, Jesus died. He didn't stay dead, did he? He rose again on the third day and he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And the scriptures say that he's been given the name above every other name, Jesus Christ our Lord, the Lord of Lords. And the scriptures say that if you call upon his name, if you put all of your faith in his perfect work and you repent of your sins, you will be saved and you will be shown mercy That is to say that God will relent his judgment upon you because at that moment, dear friends, you will be taking part in what happened on that cross. That what was due to you, Jesus took. He took it on. What incredible grace this is. So mercy is God relenting and removing the punishment from us. And grace is God then granting us eternal life instead. And this can only happen because of the work of Jesus Christ. Now God doesn't just arbitrarily forgive people, does he? He most certainly does not forgive everybody. Not everybody gets saving grace. No, only those whose sins his son bore on the cross. See, God the Father doesn't give us what we deserve because he gave it to his son. 
That is so powerful. And this is the essence of the gospel that we need to all grasp and understand is that the gospel, I've said this over and over, but the gospel is not Jesus loves you. The gospel is Jesus loves you so much that he gave his life for you. He took your sins on, his, on the cross. He, he bore your wrath. He stood in your place. He suffered so that you wouldn't have to suffer your punishment. That is powerful. That is life-changing. It's not the kind of message that you just yawn at and you move on with the rest of your life. That changes you. Salvation and redemption and adoption and sanctification and justification and our eventual glorification, these are all undeserved gifts. These are all God showing us grace. Back to Romans 6.23, he says that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Think about that. The wages of sin is death. I earn death, but God's free gift that I cannot earn is eternal life. This is, uh, this is life-changing. This is life-altering God's free gift to you is eternal life through Jesus Christ. His saving grace grants us eternal life. Listen to Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Who in here, who listening, who in the whole world is holy and blameless? No one. But God chose you before the foundations of the world that you would be. How? In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us. Notice that word lavished. But God doesn't give you grace begrudgingly. It pleases God to be gracious to people. It's God's good pleasure to lavish His grace upon you. It brings God joy to lavish His grace upon you. That is incredible. This is the saving grace of God. You cannot earn it. You most certainly do not deserve it. But it's lavished upon you richly. That means that there's so much of it. It's uncontainable. 
So much grace, you can't even fathom it. But he lavished it upon you richly that you might grab hold of free grace, that you might be transformed by grace, and that you would be moved to worship because of his grace. And lastly, after you experience saving grace, we come to empowering grace. God is so good that his grace even extends to us in empowering us to work unto his glory. The definition we have here is God's acting in the believer's life to change their capacities for work and suffering and obedience. God empowers you to obey him. God empowers you to work for his kingdom. And God empowers you to even suffer for the glory of his name. 2 Corinthians 9.8 says that God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. 1 Corinthians 15.10 By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. God's grace abounding to us provides for us what we need to abound in every good work. That we would work for his kingdom. It empowers our service unto the Lord. Do you know why you can volunteer for things around the church and, and work hard and pour yourself out like a drink offering, as Paul says? Because of God's empowering grace. Because of understanding the measure of grace that he has given to you freely. The response, the only real response of a believer is, You're, I'm yours. My life is yours now. That's why Paul over and over again says things like, I am not my own. I have been bought with a price. God's grace to me was free but it is not cheap because it took, it costed Christ his life. And whenever I understand that, it empowers and motivates all the rest of my life. It empowers me to, to work hard. It empowers me to be a good greeter at the door. It empowers me to work in the sound room. It empowers me to teach Sunday school. It empowers me to do a good job on the job. It empowers me to be friendly to that person that I can't stand. Why? Because God was gracious to me. Who am I to hold a grudge against someone else? God was gracious to me. Who am I to tell God, I'm too busy to work for you, Lord? God was gracious to me 
Who am I to hold anything back from him? But it only comes when we grab hold of God's grace and it grabs hold of you. And it empowers us to persevere. In this lifetime, we will suffer. Make no mistake about it. There are countless stories of Christians who have been beheaded, crucified upside down, boiled in acid, taken from their families, put in prison for untold amounts of time without food, who, Christians who got cancer and died from cancer, Christians who, who suffered everything under the sun. Why? Not because God was mad at them. We live in a fallen world. But you know what God says to the Christian in that suffering? is the same thing he told Paul. My grace is sufficient for you. Because my power, not your power, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made complete in how weak you are. Because it's, this is about him. It's not about you or I. It's not about what I bring to the table. I bring nothing to the table except for empty hands. That's it. That's the only way to receive God's grace. Sometimes God's grace towards a person is in his healing of their physical ailments. It does happen. Sometimes it does. And by all means, we should pray for God for healing. Sometimes God's grace towards a person is by removing them from difficult situations or altogether improving their bad situations. Sometimes God's grace towards a person is his empowering them to endure. It's his empowering them to endure, keeping them secure in spite of their physical ailments or maladies or, or difficult or bad situations. Either way, whatever God's good plan for your life is, His grace is sufficient for you. It is only by the grace of God that any of us are here. It is only by the grace of God that one can be saved. And it is only by the grace of God that we will remain steadfast until the day the Lord calls us home. It's God's grace from start to finish. So what should our response be then? Praise, worship, and service. As we come into a fuller knowledge of our own sinfulness, we will become more and more grateful of the grace of God. As I come to know exactly how sinful I am, I am more grateful for God's grace. This will result in praise and worship to his mighty name. And it will motivate our service unto the Lord. We will be able to say similar to Paul, God's grace towards me will not be in vain. I will work all the harder in my life 
not to earn my salvation or to earn his grace, but because I have his grace. Let's pray. Oh, gracious Father, we didn't even touch the surface of how deep your grace is, God. Yet we're already drowning. Lord, I pray that we would know your grace more deeply, Lord. I pray that you would reveal to us our sinfulness more and more and more that we may appreciate your grace more and more and more. God, I pray for anybody who has not known the sweetness of this grace. I pray that you would bestow upon them your sovereign, saving grace, that you would bring them into a, a true knowledge of you, and that they would move from living for the world to now living for you, from being a slave to sin to a slave to righteousness. God, I pray that you make this real in our lives, God, that we would, that we would pour ourselves out for you because of the great grace that you have shown us, Lord. We're so weak, God. We get so caught up in being human and being American and and being here and going there and doing this and doing that. Lord, I ask that you would give us the grace of pause, of stopping and realizing who you are, God. That we would come into a deeper knowledge of you, that we would cling tighter to you, that we would work harder for you, because we're not earning your grace, Lord. We're working from it. Please go with everyone tonight, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Grace, peace, and mercy to you all.